Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey folks, today is Thursday, February 27, 2020. Roland Martin Unfiltered Broadcasting from Buffalo, New York. Uh, it's a little bit different. I'll tell you all about that in just a moment. We're coming up on today's show, the National Urban League. Uh, after questions from me uh, are ordering their Florida affiliates not to be involved in a criminal justice conference taking place at Donald Trump's Doral Resort in Florida. I will give you all of the details in just a moment in this exclusive report. Also, folks, uh, on today's show, we'll talk about South Carolina. All the focus is on South Carolina. And also, in a few moments, uh, Black Women's Roundtable will be holding their uh, Sister Vote Town Hall, the power of Sister Vote Town Hall uh, in Charleston, South Carolina. And so we, uh, of course, uh, will have some of that. A group of African-Americans and Latinos in New York are saying do not vote for Mike Bloomberg. We'll talk to... Jamani Williams, who's a New York City public advocate. Uh, also on today's show, we'll talk to the sister who is running for the United States Senate in Texas. Also on the show, former Baltimore Mayor Catherine Pugh is head to federal prison for the next three years as a result of the scandal, the book, the children's book scandal in that particular city. And also on today's show, Donald Trump has appointed Vice President Mike Pence to lead the effort for when it comes to the uh, coronavirus. For a guy who doesn't even believe in science. Really? That's the bet you got? That's the best you got, Donald Trump? Mike Pence? Really? It's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go.
right, folks, I am here in uh, Buffalo, New York, uh, where I'll be speaking at an Erie Community College uh, event tomorrow. Uh, normally, our show looks a little bit different. I'm actually having to do the show by uh, my iPhone because uh, I flew from Charleston to Charlotte to Buffalo and American Airlines, left all of my bags, including all of my TV equipment in, in Charlotte. So just want to let y'all know, but we can make this happen. I apologize. Was being late with today's show. Uh, that's why we are some 39 minutes late because of that. Uh, and so those things happen, but uh, we are still here with the show. All right, folks, it's time for this uh, exclusive. Uh, the National Urban League, uh, they are demanding that Florida Attorney General move a crime conference, a criminal justice conference, that, that the Florida Urban League affiliates were going to participate in away from Donald Trump's Doral Resort in Miami. This took place after uh, I received uh, an email from a concerned viewer about this conference. I then reached out to Mark Morial, the president and CEO of the National Urban League. He was not aware of this particular conference and the involvement of the Miami Area Urban League. As a result, uh, Mark Morial has released this statement exclusively to Roland Martin Unfiltered. And it says, the Florida Office of the Attorney General's National Conference on Preventing Crime, organized in partnership with the Florida Consortium of Urban League Affiliates, must be moved from Trump National Doral and Resort in Miami to avoid the appearance of partisanship in an election year. The summit, which is focused on curbing youth violence, is scheduled for May 27 to May 29th at the resort owned by President Trump's company. In the statement, uh, Morial says, quote, our Florida affiliates devote tremendous time and energy to crime conference each year and have enjoyed a have enjoyed a valued relationship with the office of the attorney general. Morial said the event cannot be seen as a tool of political influence or used as a vehicle to funnel money to the president of the United States while he is running for reelection. Morial noted that the appearance of political partnership could threaten the 501c3 status of the Florida affiliates. The National Urban League and its affiliates are nonpartisan advocacy and social services organizations that have proudly worked with elected officials from every point along the political spectrum. Morial said, we cannot allow a political controversy to distract us from our mission of economic justice and civil rights. The leaders of the Florida affiliates stand ready to work with the Office of Attorney General to find a new location for the crime summit and move forward with the important, important work of helping young people find alternatives to violence. Uh, that is according to Mark uh, Moriel. Uh, now, again, folks, uh, I, was I was made aware of this particular uh, conference. Uh, I reached out to Mark uh, Moriel uh, about this uh, to get an understanding of what was the involvement of the uh, Florida chapters uh, uh, in this whole deal. And in fact, if you actually go to the control room, you can pull the website up. If you actually go to the, the, the homepage, it is called Florida Office of the Attorney General National Conference of Preventing Crime. And it lays out the conference, where it's taking place, uh, the various uh, sponsors, uh, the platinum level sponsors uh, include Derek Brooks Charities, a uh, former NFL player, Florida Consortium of Urban League Affiliates, Florida Department of Corrections, Florida Department of Juvenile Justice, the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office, Goal Level Sponsors, the Florida Commission on Offender Review, Florida Department of Children and Families, Florida Department of Health, Hillsborough County Aviation Authority, Tampa International Airport, uh, and the Civil Level Sponsors of the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, Broward County Sheriff's Office, Hillsborough County Board of County Commissioners. Uh, and again, uh, if you look at, so all conference sessions were supposed to take place at Trump's National Doral and Resort. Uh, and so they have the fees on here as well. And payment information was supposed to be made to the Urban League of Broward County. The Urban League of Broward County. Well, Mark Morial has now made it clear to all of the Florida affiliates that they cannot participate in this conference, cannot take place if it is going to be held at Trump's Doral Resort. 
and so uh, again, this is um, something that we were made aware of and reached out to Mark Morial. I want to bring in uh, my panel here. We have uh, Eric, Erica Savage-Wilson. She's the host of Savage Politics Podcast. Also, Reese Colbert, Black Women Views, of course. Uh, and so I want to start with you, uh, Erica. Uh, this is obviously uh, a big deal here in terms of uh, the Florida Urban League chapters in partnership, the Florida Attorney General, I don't understand how in the world the Florida folks did not see that this could be a problem holding this at Trump's Doral Resort. The PGA Tour canceled their tour stop uh, at that particular resort. Many other people uh, have canceled their events taking place there. And in fact, Trump initially wanted to hold uh, the economic summit, the G7 economic mm -hmm. summit at his Doral Resort overruling his own people. But when he got so much blowback, even Republicans, uh, he announced it was not going to be held there. Your thoughts on this? Well, I think that it's more of what we've been accustomed to seeing from the grifter in chief. So my mind automatically goes to, I wonder how much the costs were. The other piece around this is thinking about the attorney general's uh, position. I'm thinking about Pam Bondi. Pam Bondi was the attorney general of Florida back in 2016 had a re-election campaign, and um, right around the time that she was going to be possibly suing Trump University, a $25,000 donation was made to her campaign. And here we are two years later with her being on Trump team. So I think that breaking up the nexus between doing favors and appearing favorable towards uh, this regime and this uh, occupant of the White House is definitely something that's very much so necessary. And then the other thing is shining a light um, on him as well. So really glad that this definitely um, provided some sort of, that some sort of notice was provided and that it seems like the steps and measures to um, not only be out of this conference, but he also um, disregard, um, so to speak, or renege so much on where the conference is going to be held is really important in um, having some sorts of checks and balances that happens with this regime. Uh, Reese, uh, your thoughts on this? I, I think that holding the conference at Trump's um, resort definitely makes it seem like almost an endorsement of the Trump's agenda. And the National Urban League certainly wouldn't want to give that impression. Um, Trump has a very problematic criminal justice record, even though he did help or he signed in the First Step Act. So I think it's very important to distance themselves from this. Um, I don't know if this was incompetence or, you know, what else was afoot here. But obviously, the Florida attorney general, who's a Republican, has an incentive to try to kind of kiss up and enrich uh, President Trump. Mm -hmm. But um, the Urban League should have absolutely no parts of this. Uh, and again, so what happened was someone reached out to me regarding this uh, particular conference. I then immediately uh, sent an email and text message to Mark Morial, nice. uh, who was not aware of this. He said, uh, let me do some checking. Uh, and then, of course, um, uh, this was uh, earlier this week, and then sent the statement to us. Uh, we got the statement first before it goes out to the public. And and so, again, this is the Urban League CEO, Mark Morial, saying that the Florida chapters of the National Urban League, um, that, that they cannot participate in this conference if it's going to be held at Doral. And he is asking them to move this conference away from Doral uh, as a result, saying that uh, they do not want uh, in an election year to be perceived as partisan and certainly <laughs> for monies uh, going mm -hmm. to the, 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 the coffers of Donald Trump. And so uh, that's mm -hmm. what's going on. So I'm quite sure uh, the Trump organization, Donald Trump, might be commenting on this uh, once they see our report. And so those things will happen. All right, folks, let's now turn to uh, the race for president on the Democratic side. Florida and South Carolina going to the polls. Mike Bloomberg is not on the ballot. In South Carolina, he is on the ballot on Super Tuesday, which is taking place uh, again next Tuesday. For the group of African-Americans Latinos in New York uh, City, uh, they say they do not support the candidacy of Mike Bloomberg and calling on Americans not to do so as well. Uh, and so they sent a letter uh, out to a variety of um, media outlets uh, calling for uh, folks uh, not to support him. Uh, and joining us right now is Jamani Williams. He is the public advocate, the public advocate um, for um, for the city of New York. Uh, Jamani, glad to have you back on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Um, the letter that was released, um, y'all state in here, quote, in recent days, Michael Bloomberg has attempted to rewrite his legacy. We haven't forgotten 
the extent of harm, humiliation, and terror that the Bloomberg administration's daily racial profiling and police violence caused in Black, Latinx, and other communities of color cannot be overstated. The debate took place on Tuesday. He said he apologized for that debate, uh, but uh, that's not good enough for you and others, correct? Oh, absolutely not. Thanks for having me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. On the debate on Tuesday, he apologized for stopping Frisk at the debate. But go ahead. I'm sorry. No problem. Um, actually, we had a press conference again uh, this morning, actually. Some of the same signers and, and other people, including Kevin Richardson, who spoke on behalf of the Exonerated Five, formerly the Central Park Five, just reminding folks uh, that Bloomberg is not the person he is paying those ads to make him out to be. And I would say, Rona, I, I wish it was only stop and frisk. That was the only policy we had to deal with. And remind folks that he was defending that practice up until a week before he announced for the presidency. That's 2019 that he was defending this practice, a practice that stopped more young black men that actually live in the city of New, city of New York. But we have to remind people his housing policies and homelessness policies were atrocious. Homelessness rose about 71%. In his tenure, in a direct result to his uh, terrible um, policies, education, we became the, one of the most segregated educational systems in the entire country under Mike Bloomberg. If you look at how he left every municipal employee and he lied about his relationship with the teachers union uh, and the debate, he left everybody without a contract. That was his way of trying to balance the budget. If we talk about how he dealt with protesters from the protests of the Republican, Republican National Convention, where I remind people he endorsed George W. Bush, uh, to how he violently removed the protesters in Occupy Wall Street. I just settled a lawsuit because his administration did not allow any elected officials or any media to oversee that. In fact, my colleague, Adonis Rodriguez, was bleeding from the forehead trying to, get a, uh, uh, to observe what was going on, and he was thrown to the ground. That's the Michael Bloomberg that we all know. Uh, and it is embarrassing and shameful uh, to see so many people flock to him across this country. And so we want to make sure we get the real information out. I'm most distraught and disappointed by black leaders in New York City, some of whom I look up to, who know who he was, who was here, but are proving one of two things or both. One is people can be bought if the price is right. Uh, and the last part is, that unfortunately many people who came in to change who was representing communities simply want to replicate a system that doesn't work for most communities. And so anybody that's going to shake up that apple cart, they don't want, they want someone like a Mike Bloomberg who's going to continue a system that harms all of us. Uh, and when you, when you talk about that particular uh, issue, I mean, obviously uh, all the attention in these last two debates that he participated in were solely about stopping the frisk, but you were expanding uh, on, you know, uh, on these issues. Uh, there's others who also said that he didn't do enough to desegregate New York City schools. Absolutely. If you look at especially the gifted and talented uh, programs uh, that we had, that's now 80, 90% uh, white New Yorkers. That happened under Mike Bloomberg. If you look at the schools that he closed and his own uh, policy was simply to open up charter schools, as many as humanly possible. And what that basically said is, if you can get into a charter school, great for you. If you want the other public school system, we're not going to fund you the way we should fund you. And that has had a, a huge effect on education in the same communities. And it's not, I have to repeat, it is not just about policing. Again, his housing policies have caused a reverse migration in a way we haven't seen in a very long time uh, for black and brown people, but especially black people who are moving back down south because what the dollar can pay for here in New York City has never been more expensive. Homelessness literally rose 71% because he cut um, housing programs. That was Mike Bloomberg. We know who he is, and we're really hoping that people across the nation won't be fooled by those ads because I'll admit that they're pretty good ads. They're just full of misrepresentation and they're full of lies. Again, he was not a friend of unions. He fought us on everything. He fought minimum wage. The reason Kevin Richardson was there is because Mike Bloomberg spent $6 million fighting the exonerated five, saying that the city did not have to settle for them, uh, settle, uh, settle their case, and saying that at the time, 
the DAs had enough information to put those five young men in jail. He was asked about this a few months ago. Do you have an opinion of the Central Park Five, now the Exoner Five? He says, no, I don't. And repeated some of the things he said before. This is who this man is. And I, this thing about only Bloomberg can beat Donald Trump, I've heard that before, four years ago. And now I have four years of Donald Trump. And, and I will say also, I want to make it clear that he is not the person to beat Donald Trump. He may actually suppress the vote. Yes, people are better than Donald Trump by degree. George W. Bush is better than Donald Trump by degree, but we should not support him, and we should not support Michael Bloomberg. All right, Jemani Williams, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right, I want to go to you first, Reese. Uh, again, uh, Mike Bloomberg has spent more than $500 million. He's being attacked uh, on stage by other Democratic presidential candidates saying he is trying to buy the race. Now you have folks who know him best in New York City uh, who are saying that he should not uh, be getting some, getting support. Uh, Nate Silver of 538 saying that uh, that uh, that Bloomberg is in trouble, that his numbers are dropping mm -hmm. uh, across the country as a result of these two debate performances. Mm -hmm. uh, just your thoughts on this call uh, uh, out, of, out of New York. And, and, and what do you make of, again, of the withering attack that Bloomberg has been under uh, from various quarters? Well, I mean, first of all, his debate performance was, it sucked really bad. His first debate was awful. His answer on stop and frisk on both debates were inadequate and unconvincing. Um, I think that the withering attacks, though, on his, um, on his record are convenient timing because he has been in this race since November. And I'm not defending Mike Bloomberg, be clear. But he has been in the race since November. And a lot of people who are, you know, howling about stop and frisk now, which is a legitimate issue, were kind of going the whole anti-billionaire route first, and then once he started to grow into the polls, then they kind of switched course. I'm all for accountability for Michael Bloomberg, but I do think that we're having a very one-sided accountability conversation mm -hmm. because we are not having an honest conversation about mass incarceration that was caused by the crime bill. You want to talk about de uh, segregation in, um, in New York? We did not have an honest conversation about segregation measures that were taken when... Um, um, Joe Biden was a senator. And so I would like to see this accountability for everybody. I don't think that it's fair to speak for black people and mm -hmm. only hold one particular candidate accountable. Mm -hmm. Let's hold them all accountable. In 10 debates, and I looked at the transcripts to confirm this, Bernie Sanders was not asked even one time about his support for the crime bill. And he's gotten away with this line about, oh, well, he only voted for it because of Violence Against Women Act. Well, he's on tape at a press conference talking about how we need more prisons and how some we need some harsher penalties for some things. So I would like to see accountability and, 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 and an honest conversation for Bernie Sanders. Um, the same with Joe Biden. I don't think that Joe Biden has had to account for his crime bill, um, you know, championing of it. And when he does talk about it, he says that the crime bill was great and all these black people supported it and it did not lead to mass incarceration. So mm -hmm. I am 100 percent for accountability. I'm 100 percent for talking about the records of all of these candidates. But let's talk about all of them and then let people make their decision. And I think it's a little reductive to just say that, oh, well, people are fooled or people are being foolish for, for supporting Michael Bloomberg. I think people are weighing the records. People are weighing the, the proposals. And Michael Bloomberg does have some compelling things that he's speaking to, and he's going to black people specifically via black, uh, the radio market and the black TV market. And so I don't think that that message of everybody who's supporting Michael Bloomberg is stupid mm -hmm. is, is going to resonate with people. And um, you have to make an affirmative case for, for, for each of these people that have to make affirmative cases for their candidates. And I think that a lot of people have a kind of cynical view that, well, they all have baggage, they all have issues, and it's who's speaking to what I think we need going forward. Uh, look, I mean, Erica, uh, she's right. Uh, I said I was very frustrated in Tuesday night's debate mm -hmm. to see the CBS moderators ask Michael Broom Bloomberg about stopping the frisk. Mm -hmm. Then when he said that he cut it by 95 percent, not correct him, because considering the federal judge has done interviews saying that uh, that he fought it, they fought to get her removed, and it was her calling it unconstitutional is what led to that. It was also bothersome to me to watch the moderators then toss to Amy Klobuchar and ask her about stopping the frisk, but nothing about her own record as DA and not prosecuting any cases involved police shooting or black men 
who said they were wrongfully incarcerated. And then not ask Joe Biden about the 1994 crime bill, not ask uh, Bernie Sanders about his vote for the 1994 crime bill, not ask Pete Buttigieg problems in his police department. And so, look, I absolutely understand Jamani and others, their point regarding what took place in New York City. But yes, if we're going to have a discussion about past records and criminal justice reform, Mike Bloomberg cannot be the only person who's being questioned. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone on that stage really has a profile to show to America. And I think the other thing, too, is that if we're going to say to not support one candidate, well, then who are you supporting? Where are you pointing people? Because what we don't want to see is a revamp of what happened in 2016, because I don't necessarily like the top of the ticket. Um, There's this early voter apathy that's happening. Now we have a full-throated disinformation campaign led by the, uh, um, the White House occupant and all of his agents. And so when we have that um, amount of confusion and not a lot of clarity, for people that are very much so sold on getting someone out of the race, my question is always, well, who are you pointing people towards? So I think that, um, as you both have said, that honestly what needs to happen is uh, for everyone's profile to be dug into. And this is something that I really do have a serious issue with the Democratic Party on going back to 2017. Listen, for those folks who were going to run again and just being honest, it was Bernie Sanders. For those same people that had full intentions on continuing to run again, this flesh out of records should have been happening even then because the po- the place that we're, air, um, that we're at now, on the media side, there seems to be a tiptoeing and then another selection of winners. And we saw how that happened, what that um, did for us in 2016. And so at this point, I think what needs to happen is that everybody's uh, records need to be laid to bear and that if, um, based on those records, um, when you're looking at people who have served in politics 30, 40 years, and even not as long as that, but actually having an idea of the game, to be um, at a place where that level of honesty and then really engaging people around the vote will help kind of the lack of inspiration that all of us are feeling right now. Because to be quite honest with you, for black folks um, and um, Latino and people of color, there is no plan B. So I don't fault anyone, um, particularly a voter, who's saying at this moment, listen, um, I was just listening to um, some coverage around the White House occupant and the things that he's saying specific to coronavirus are very much so around the market. It's not about public health service. It's not about getting information out to the public. And so if people are seeing pound for pound, dollar for dollar, that there is someone that could get in the ring and actually match him, um, I totally understand that. Um, But to um, also back it up, I think that, you know, informing people, informing people across the board definitely goes a long way with empowering that voter as well. All right, then. So we certainly be watching this. Uh, We'll see what happens uh, when it comes to um, Super Tuesday. Uh, I, I do want to talk to you about this here again. Uh, Nate Silver made this point uh, in a number of, of tweets that uh, Bloomberg is having issues in the polling. Mm-hmm. When you also look at what's going on, Joe Biden has to win South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And look, according to uh, one, what I saw, uh, several polls, he is down to Bernie Sanders anywhere from six to nine points uh, in North Carolina. He's, he's actually leading in one poll. They're tied in Texas as well. And according to this one poll in Texas, they're saying that, really, Bloomberg is actually hurting Joe Biden mm-hmm. against Sanders. <laughs> so now the question is, you know, after Super Tuesday, depending upon once you sort out, does Bloomberg drop out to help Biden beat Sanders? But if he stays in, in essence, he could be splitting the same number of voters mm-hmm. uh, who would normally be going for Joe Biden. You look at Elizabeth Warren. I mean, she's number two behind Bernie supporters, but he's number one. Right. So the one of the reasons she hasn't been able to gain traction is because of Bernie Sanders' presence in the race. So just again, uh, j- j- just your thoughts on how this thing may very well shake out. Well, I'll, I'll, for um, Joe Biden, South Carolina is incredibly critical. Um, I've seen some polling today where he was up major, like massive to the point where he was the only person who was even viable, meaning hitting over yeah, the 15 15 points. points. Right. Yeah, and- for the uh, at Clinton University, their poll, they have Joe Biden at 38, 38%. 
Tom Steyer at 17, mm -hmm. Bernie Sanders at 13 percent, and the other candidates are far back. Right. And so if he can get a very decisive win, certainly with the help of um, Representative Jim Clyburn, that goes a long way for um, Joe Biden. Unfortunately, though, I think the problem that Joe Biden has is that the black support is a little bit more spread out outside of uh, outside of South Carolina because uh, Michael Bloomberg is picking up a good chunk of that. And Bernie Sanders is doing much better with the black vote outside of South Carolina. And Bernie Sanders, in some polls I've even seen, is actually leading very, very by a very small margin, but leading in the black vote. Um, and so I do think that uh, Joe Biden is going to potentially have some issues, but if he can get some momentum out of South Carolina, that can change. I'm not of the mindset of saying, well, Michael Bloomberg is hurting Joe Biden or vice versa. I think that everybody has to win their race outright and everybody's making their case. And if Michael Bloomberg's case is persuasive to people, that's not about hurting Joe Biden. That's about maybe Joe Biden didn't make his good his case well enough. He's certainly been in the race much longer than Michael Bloomberg. But I mean, yeah, if you just do the math, then um, Michael Bloomberg is certainly taking away margin from Joe Biden more so than Bernie Sanders. So I think that the, the Super Tuesday picture is all over the place. And I'm really curious to see who is even going to be viable outside of Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, and, um, and Michael Bloomberg, you know, because it's in very few polls that I've seen have actually had anybody other than those three viable in most of the Super Tuesday states. And so I, I believe from what I've heard or what Michael Bloomberg has telegraphed that he would drop out after Super Tuesday if, he, if it doesn't look like he has a realistic path. Um, and so, but I, I think that the calculus changes a little bit if he's very close to Joe Biden. So at this point, I think the race is wide open between those three. In particular, um, if Joe Biden can pull off a decisive win, then he certainly moves up look, a little Erica, bit more. Look, Erica, bottom line is this simple. Uh, when you look at uh, the number of candidates, uh, frankly, you have people who are taking from one another. Mm -hmm. The field has to narrow. Otherwise, if you're Senator Bernie Sanders, you want everything to stay exactly as it is right. because your solid 28, 30% does the same thing for him that it did for Trump in 2016, yep. and that is you win. Right. Yeah. Yep. And he doesn't even have to compete, so to speak, at the same level that the other folks do. You know, it was interesting because this morning, Bernie Sanders was at Wake Forest, um, um, wait, and was in Wake Forest, North Carolina, at an HBCU there. Um, they split their time there and then, um, I believe, came to South Carolina later on this evening. And so when I'm thinking about for these contests that will happen, not only for Super Tuesday, but looking at the 25 contests that will take place during um, our political March Madness, thinking about that some of the states that are in those 25 contests have the highest population of black folks. When I think about Virginia with 99 delegates and thinking about North Carolina where Bernie Sanders' team was, when we think about those states um, and think about Georgia, I'm thinking about what do their on-the-ground um, operations look like for Bernie Sanders, for a Joe Biden, and for a Michael Bloomberg. And so um, you've said it, um, and you just said it again, that Bernie just only has to keep what's happening happening. If we don't either see Pete or um, Elizabeth Warren, but definitely Pete or Amy Klobuchar kind of drop out of the race, then things are definitely going to um, be a little bit more desperate for the Biden campaign because what they would have to do in those states, particularly if he's um, talking about his relationship with African-Americans, specifically in South Carolina, but when uh, I'm thinking he'll continue to pass that message as he goes through these um, very um, African-American, these states with Got large it. populations of African-Americans, if he does not make any significant gains there, then it's really Bernie Sanders for the win. All right, folks, we'll see what happens. Of course, uh, South Carolina votes on Saturday. But coming up next, we talk with a sister who is running for the United States Senate uh, out of Texas. That's next on Roller Martin Unfiltered. To me, there are no greater patriots in America's long history than the black citizens who are willing to die for a nation that was denying them their rights. Mike Bloomberg is the only Democratic presidential candidate that has a real plan to fight for those sacrifices that have been taken for granted for far too long. And I've got to think it was in hopes that their service and sacrifice might redeem those rights 
for their children and grandchildren. Introducing the Greenwood Initiative, a bold new plan to help black Americans create generational wealth. One, we will help a million more black families buy a house. Two, we will double the number of black-owned businesses. Three, we will help black families triple their wealth over the next 10 years to an all-time high. Mike will get it done. Visit MikeForBlackAmerica.com to learn more. There are concrete proposals that we can afford and that we can get done, and we will. I'm Mike Bloomberg, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. You want to check out Roland Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. All righty, folks. Uh, Super Tuesday is on. Uh, takes place on this coming Tuesday. 16 states and territories are going to be going to the polls. Uh, and if you are a Democrat or Republican candidate, you want to win that primary to advance to the general election. Uh, one of the folks who wants to run against uh, Texas incumbent Senator Republican John Cornyn is Amanda Edwards. She's a councilwoman in the city of Houston. She joins us right now. Amanda, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on today. All right, then. And so there are a number of candidates running on the Democratic side, uh, including uh, Texas uh, State Senator Royce West. Uh, you have uh, others who are, who are running. You have uh, you have uh, people from who are white, who are Latino, who are African American who are running. And so what is it looking like from your perspective uh, when it comes to on the Democratic side to face John Cornyn? I think what we have to remember when you're looking at a a primary field that is as crowded as ours is what is the end goal? And I think for us, the end goal has to be unseating John Cornyn. And then, of course, selecting the person who will be most best position to actually deliver the results that Texans and all of the folks across this nation deserve. Uh, One of the things that is really, really important is that we focus on people who can uh, galvanize the coalitions that will be necessary to win. And that includes, when you look back at the 18 cycle, when Beto ran for office, that included folks that he brought in, which were persuadable voters. Those are people in the middle, independent voters, etc. cetera. Uh, he did very good at getting those voters on the, in the fold. But when you looked at communities of color, when you looked at communities under the age of 35, we saw that there were high registrant levels but they didn't come out to vote in those high levels. They were under 50% of their registered numbers. So you've got to pick a candidate who can get galvanized, persuadable voters, but also galvanize more of the base, meaning communities of color, as well as people under the age of 35. The electorate in Texas is changing drastically. And in fact, so much so that you'll see that we have over 2.6 million newly registered voters since 2016. Of that amount, 1.6 million of them are people of color and or under the age of 25. And we've got to take advantage of this changing electorate. Uh, When you speak of that changing electorate, of course, Republicans have been losing big time in the suburbs all across the country, but especially there in Texas. Uh, We saw the gains made uh, in 2018. Uh, Of course, many people talk about uh, the role that Beto O'Rourke played in his campaign against Senator Ted Cruz. Uh, do you do you see that also happening or being repeated again uh, in 2020? Yes, I think what's happened here is that we actually have a U.S. senator by the name of John Cornyn, who is the incumbent, who is actually more vulnerable than was Ted Cruz. In other words, his polling, his base is softer. And so although Ted Cruz was not very well liked nationwide, it was easier to raise money against someone like that when they're a polarizing figure in that way. It doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have a base. In this instance, we have John Cornyn, who hasn't even broken 40 percent since we've been in this race. And so he actually is very vulnerable. At some points, he's been as low as 27 percent, but he's hovering in the mid-30s. And that's where he's remained because he's aligned himself with Donald Trump. The thing about his alignment with Donald Trump, he's about 95 percent aligned with him. Uh, His base of supporters would otherwise be uh, what we call a moderate Republican base, which now, of course, he's eroded because of his support and alignment with Trump. And so folks like him oftentimes find themselves 
uh, on an island. And, and if you recall the rash of, of early retirements uh, or announcements of retirements for a number of Republicans across the state of Texas, that's a lot of what's driving this is the Trump era of politics. Uh, what is so, like I say, a crowded field? And so, exactly what is your plan uh, to get uh, Texans, Democrats to vote for you uh, and make you the nominee to face John Cornyn? Absolutely. So, my why is this I'm running because I believe Texans and people all over this country deserve real results in their lives. I think we have had enough of people making campaign promises, campaign stops, all of those things, and not delivering on the things that you talk about on the campaign trail. We have got to understand the urgency of these issues, the life and death nature of the issues. For example, when you're thinking about health care access, we have a U.S. senator named John Cornyn who has voted more than half a dozen times to over overturn the Affordable Care Act simply because he doesn't like the name of the president who was in office when it was passed. That was called, that's called playing politics with people's lives. We've got to get people who are serious, but not just that they're serious. You've got to be able to be effective, particularly in this polarized environment. And so having someone with a track record like myself who's been effective in government, and it's not always easy to do, I think is exactly what we need to refocus our attention on people rather than the politics and on results as, as far as uh, community impact is concerned. That's what they're sending you to Washington to do. They want you to sit, do focus on your job, not on Twitter, but on the real work that you need to complete in terms of bringing home some deliverables that impact people's lives, economic opportunity, health care access, immigration reform, uh, you name it. There are so many big pressing issues that have yet to be, be addressed because we have not put the people in the office that can actually be effective. Also, Texas is on one of those states that can flip. In 2020, a lot of people thought that was something that was much later down the road. And the politics in Texas are changing. A lot of that has been driven by Donald Trump. And people are not feeling comfortable aligning with him in a number of respects. Lots of more independent voters. And they're willing now to consider other votes, uh, meaning Democrats and, and others that, that they think can get this country back on the right track. So we've got to talk to our base. We've got to talk to those folks in the middle. And it's got to be about them in terms of what changes do you want to see, but then having a confidence in the leadership will act, that the leadership can actually bring about that change. And that's what I represent. And that that message is resonating and connecting extremely well. It's a, it's a breath of fresh air in a time that is not focused on people. All right, then, Amanda Edwards, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right, folks, we come back on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Former Baltimore mayor, Catherine Pugh, is headed to prison. We'll explain up next. Mike Bloomberg is the only Democratic presidential candidate that has a real plan for black youth in education. It's called the Greenwood Initiative. We'll make public college tuition free for all low-income students. We'll forgive college loans for students who were exploited by failed for-profit colleges. Mike knows investing in our teachers is investing in our children. We'll also recruit more black and Latino teachers as we did in New York City, because studies show they can make all the difference. And we'll also invest much more in heavily historically black colleges and universities, because many of the HBCUs are struggling. And the first step to achieving generational wealth is taken in the classroom. We'll incentivize state and localities to create financial literacy classes. Mike will get it done. Visit MikeForBlackAmerica.com to learn more. There are concrete proposals that we can afford and that we can get done, and we will. I'm Mike Bloomberg, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. You want to support Roller March Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. Roller Martin Unfiltered.com. 
so a lot of y'all always asking me about terms, some of the pocket squares that I wear. Now, I don't know. Robert don't have one on. Nope. Now, I don't particularly like the white pocket squares. I don't like even the silk ones. And so I was reading GQ magazine a number of years ago, and I saw uh, this guy who had this, this pocket square here, and it looks like a flower. Uh, this is called a shibori pocket square. This is how the Japanese manipulate the fabric to create this sort of flower effect. So I'm going to take it out and then place it in my hand so you see what it looks like. And I said, man, this is pretty cool. And so I tracked down, the, it took me a year to find a company that did it. Uh, and so uh, they basically about 47 different colors. And so I love them because, again, as men, we don't have many accessories to wear. So we don't have many options. Uh, and so this is really a pretty cool uh, pocket square. And what I love about this here is you saw uh, when it's uh, in, in the pocket, you know, it gives you that flower effect like that but if I wanted to also unlike other because if I flip it and turn it over it actually gives me a different type of texture and so therefore it gives me a different look so there you go so uh, if you actually want to uh, get one of these shibori pocket squares we have them in 47 different colors all you got to do is go to rollingthismartin.com forward slash pocket squares so it's rollingthismartin.com forward slash pocket squares. All you got to do is go to my website uh, and you can actually uh, get this. Now, for those of you who are members of our Bring the Funk fan club, there's a discount for you to get our pocket squares. That's why you also got to be a part of our Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, and so that's what we want you to do. And so it's pretty cool. So if you want to jazz your look up, you can do that. In addition, uh, y'all see me with some of the feather pocket squares. My sister who's a designer. She actually makes these. They're all custom made. So when you also go to the website, you can also order one of the customized uh, feather pocket squares uh, right there at rollingsmartin.com forward slash pocket squares. So please do so. And of course, uh, it goes to support the show. And again, if you're a Brenda Funk fan club member, you get a discount. This is why you should join the fan club. Let's join Reverend Dr. Jackie Hood Martin as she engages others to think like a leader. Are you looking to enhance your leadership or that of your team in 2020? Well, you can join her online course and mastermind group, How Successful People Think. She'll be your guide as you learn timeless leadership principles to apply to daily living. The offer expires on February 28th to register uh, or start off the online course. Go to www.livetolead.com forward slash Leesburg, live to lead.com forward slash Leesburg. Again, it is the uh, it's an online leadership course uh, that you want, and it's called How Successful People Think. And so the deadline is February 28th. And so live to lead.com forward slash Leesburg. Man, oh man, uh, talk about uh, a quick fall. Former mayor of Baltimore, Catherine Pugh. Sentenced today to three years in federal prison uh, as a result of a children's book scam. Uh, in addition, to, uh, she had this book called Healthy Holly uh, that was a series of children's books that was supposed to be uh, delivered to children. Well, guess what? She was convicted on federal tax evasion and conspiracy charges uh, because these books were used to help fund a political career. She was ordered to pay $400,000 in restitution the University of Maryland Medical System, and nearly $12,000 to the Maryland Auto Insurance Fund, which also purchased copies of her books. And many of those books were not even delivered. She also must forfeit nearly $670,000 in her campaign account. Now, all copies of this Healthy Holly book in government custody will be destroyed. This is Catherine Pugh after she was sentenced today in Baltimore. So as one who's gone through this, you know, I don't wish this on anybody. Uh, again, I'm apologetic to the citizens of Baltimore. Nobody loves Baltimore more than I do. You know, and I think many of you followed me over the years. You know, at 4 o'clock in the morning, I think some folks met me at 4 a.m. in the morning until uh, 10 or 11 o'clock at night because I believe in this city. And I know that Baltimore will move forward. Uh, we've got some great people out there. Uh, I hope uh, that we'll take over the realms of the mayor. But, you know, what I want the citizens of Baltimore to do is to continue to believe in the future of our city. And again, I apologize to the city, the state, and I had folks who flew in from across the country today. And so I apologize to them as well. Got to say, Erica, I mean, it is so unfortunate. Here's somebody who was 
a very successful state senator, led the National Caucus of Black state legislators. Uh, then, of course, beat a wide field of people to become mayor of that city. Uh, you had a previous, and she actually beat a woman who was a previous mayor mm -hmm. who herself Went was forced out of office yeah. uh, for using, for improperly using gift cards. And mm -hmm. so, uh, I mean, you talk about hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, for books that, frankly, never even got printed. Right. And then what is the price that you put on public trust? Baltimore has been through the ringer um, for years and years and years. And so to have a leader uh, that looks like you, that looks like the demographic of the city um, to do this, I'm glad that she was very apologetic because I, I do believe in grace. So, um, you know, definitely my heart goes out to her family that has had to endure during this time as well and, and close friends. However, I think um, for the city of Baltimore and all of the different ails that they are facing, and when you have folks that are really out in front leading the charge, um, like your Marilyn Mosby's, um, that I don't think that um, people need to look at this as an example of leadership by black people. Um, this is a person who um, has definitely um, fallen in a very, very public way has paid restitution, still has more money to fork over, and most importantly, did apologize for that. So not minimizing it. Um, I'm in Baltimore at least once a month and um, definitely always very aware of the condition of the city um, and the active gentrification that's happening. But I really hope that people will continue to trust and believe and then also holding to account black leaders and not make this a blanket way to say, well, that's why I don't support folks that are black and in leadership. Well, first of all, anybody who says that is stupid. The bottom line is uh, you have white politicians, Latino politicians, male, female politicians uh, who have used their office for personal gain. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just it's just sad, again, uh, that somebody who's had a very successful political career, uh, this is how you're going to be remembered, mm -hmm. uh, resigning in disgrace and then having to go to federal prison for the next three years. Mm -hmm. Reese. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can't put a price on integrity. And, I mean, she's 69 years old. That's, you know, that's a pretty, you know, advanced age to have to be facing three years of prison. The prosecutors asked for five years. She wanted one year, and they landed in... The judge landed in the middle. It's, it's awful that she's going to be defined by something when she does have so many accomplishments under her belt. Um, and and it's it's not lost on us. I'm sure that you have um, Donald Trump pardoning people like Rod Blagojevich and and other people who have kind of been caught up in these kind of corruption scandals. And here you have a black woman that's going to prison for three years. She's facing another charge as well for perjury. So her legal troubles are not coming to an end here. But she did do something incredibly seriously uh, serious um, in terms of the scale of what she's been accused of, the, the dollar amount. And she breached public trust. So I, I appreciate, like Erica said, that she's very apologetic about her actions, because I think you have to take accountability for, you know, she has to take accountability for what she did do wrong in this in this instance. Yeah, absolutely. And so, again, uh, for Baltimore, just uh, another piece of bad news. All right, folks. Mike Bloomberg is the only Democratic presidential candidate who understands that wealth creation and the current racial wealth gap is linked to past racism and has a plan to address the impact on black America. The crimes against black Americans still echo across the centuries, and no single law can wipe out that slate clean. The time has come, I think, to fully commit ourselves to acknowledging our history and righting our country's wrongs, and that's exactly what I will do as president. It's called the Greenwood Initiative. One, we will help a million more black families buy a house. Two, we will double the number of black-owned businesses. Three, we will help black families triple their wealth over the next 10 years to an all-time high. Mike will get it done. Visit MikeForBlackAmerica.com to learn more. There are concrete proposals that we can afford and that we can get done, and we will. I'm Mike Bloomberg, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. Let's talk about this here. Bill to make lynching a hate crime uh, passed yesterday. Uh, in the U.S. House. It's the first attempt since 1900 uh, that could outlaw lynching in this country. Now, it was called the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act in honor, honor of the 14-year-old African-American boy 
who was uh, lynched in 1955 uh, in Mississippi. The vote was 410 to 4. His Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, uh, who was uh, in the uh, Speaker's chair when it passed. On this vote, the yeas are 410. The nays are four. Two-thirds being in the affirmative. The rules are suspended. The bill is passed. And without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. So uh, it, it's really interesting here. You have four people who voted against it. One of them was uh, 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 Justin Amash, uh, who, of course, in uh, the Republican, uh, actually now independent out of Michigan. You, of course, you also have, uh, I think, one of the craziest members, uh, Louis Gomer. Uh, but you also have uh, Louis Gomer of Texas. So you have Justin Amash, Louis Gomer of Texas, Thomas Massey of Kentucky, Ted Yoho of Florida. Uh, and uh, Amash uh, w took to Twitter uh, to explain, um, Erica, exactly why uh, he voted against the particular bill, saying that it actually could have an impact uh, on uh, prosecutions uh, on the state level. Um, but I would say on this one, if 410 people voted for it, my, my. I'm just saying, you know, and first of all, there are 435 members in the House, 14 people didn't vote. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, you might want to go ahead and just vote for it and stop trying to explain everything away later. Right. I'm glad you said that because I was going to um, point out the folks that didn't vote. We do the math. It's like, well, what happened with those people? But you, this, again, is remember the media hype around Justin Amash and having this profiling courage and the call of conscience. You know, once a Republican, always a Republican. And even if they distinguish themselves as being independent, those principles, because they are definitely ingrained in so early, those are not things that are e uh, easily sold away. They're definitely much so in line with leadership and what they believe to be the rule of law. So to see Justin Amash um, amongst that four people, I, to me, it looked like four Republicans, um, along with those that did not vote, voted um, against a law that when we think about it, here we are in 2020, and I think that this is very important, specifically in this time, in this era, for people to see um, how justice does not move at the speed of technology. So Justin Amash is not a surprise because he is still a Republican. Reese. Yeah, and I would like to point out that a bill to make animal cruelty a federal felony passed with unanimous consent in the House. The Emmett Till anti-lynching bill did not pass with unanimous consent. That is disgraceful. Even in the Senate, in the bill which Senator Kamala Harris has led on along with Senator Cory Booker and Tim Scott, that bill has passed in the last two sessions with unanimous consent. So, Justin Amash, shame on you and shame on Louis Gohmert, shame on Thomas Massey and shame on, I think it was Kevin Yu, Ted Yu, Yahoo. You guys are I'm not even going to curse right now, but you guys are a disgrace. And you ought to be a damn shame to yourself that you care more mm -hmm. or you have less objection to an mm -hmm. animal cruelty bill yeah. passing than you do a goddamn anti-lynching bill. It is an, I, I, it's appalling. And you shouldn't even be able to show your face. There's no excuse for the fact that 400 and however many people managed to mm -hmm. whatever little reservations they had, right. put it aside and do the right damn thing and you didn't. Right. All right, folks, let's talk about coronavirus. Uh, stock market uh, tumbled in a huge <laughs> way today. Like, real big. <laughs> uh, and, of course, uh, Donald Trump is trying to uh, fight himself out of the hole. Because remember he said, ah, no big deal. It is under control. Don't worry about it. Then, of course, all of a sudden, the Consumers for Disease Control goes, uh, no, this thing is happening. Right. Uh, he also... Uh, was telling his people not to play this thing up because he did not want it to hurt the economy. Well, dude, when you have a global pandemic on your hands, mm. it's going to have an economic impact. Mm -hmm. uh, and so just, what do y'all make of him putting Mr. I don't believe in science, Mike Pence, the man who also allowed a major HIV outbreak yep. to take place in Indiana when he was governor, as the point person on this here? I don't understand that's why you have a Surgeon General. Mm. Well, for an incapable regime, um, this is quite capable of them. I, it, it does not, it made sense for me, to me, that he would pass the football to Mike Pence. And, you know, Reese and I were talking earlier and I said, you know, it's 
it's interesting to me that you're talking about the stock market start market as of today plunged almost about 3,000 points in a three-day span. We saw the market dip below what was called a correction, right? And this is what brings this clown to talk to the American public about, as you said, what is possibly a global pandemic. When you look at all of the different countries, just look at the continents, and you look at the different countries that have been impacted, and to think that the United States is in some way um, not going to be affected at the same rate that these other countries, mind you, developed countries, um, have experienced it, is very much so incompetent. And so this wall around um, who um, press has dubbed as Teflon Don, not necessarily from this side of the house, but they um, called him Teflon Don, where you're going to start to see appealing away of that because people are thinking twice about trips. People are thinking twice about, well, do I need to go to that restaurant or can I just go to the market and buy something, um, cook something at home? All of these differences, and that's not even on the larger scale, but when you're thinking about people-to-people -people contact and because there has been such an erosion of trust by this regime intentionally for their own favor, when you think about um, parts of government that have been gutted and you only have acting people mm -hmm. that are in places where secretaries and decisive directors should be. And then when you think about the propping up of mediocre um, white boys into these positions or not capable or having not proved themselves, when he himself has gone against intelligence and anybody that's spoken out against what he's said to be truth, which are largely spun out of conspiracy theory and info wars, that those people are removed from their positions. Now, how is it that anyone, no matter what side of the political spectrum that they're on, how is anyone to believe anything that comes out of your mouth? Liar, liar. Like, this is what you have majored in. And so what I'm most interested in right now at this moment is just seeing how the um, politicals who have been really spinning Donald Trump for the past three, four years now, are going to really be very honest with the American public in that there is um, a, an active regime with a person at its head that the only person that can be trusted is that very same person that looks at the mirror. He only trusts himself. He is a one-voice, um, one-person um, audience. And so I'm really looking to see how the media is going to step up um, even with what we have going on um, coming up to Tuesday, coming up to South Carolina, to be able to parse and to be able to offer the public some real, um, some real accuracy around what's actually happening. All right, then, folks. Uh, we are out of time for today's show. Uh, first of all, I appreciate all of you being here tomorrow. We got a special, got a special show for you guys, focusing totally on the South Carolina primaries. We'll hear from Vice President Joe Biden. We'll hear from Tom Style. We'll hear from Elizabeth Warren. Also, the Black Women Roundtable. They're holding their the Power of the Sister Vote Town Hall as we speak. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have that for you as well. So we're going to have that live stream. It's actually streaming right now while we've been on the show for the last hour. Uh, we'll also, of course, hear from the folks with uh, Black Voters Matter about what they uh, are seeing and hearing on the ground. And so you don't want to miss our special tomorrow from South Carolina leading up to Saturday's debate. Don't forget, folks, on Monday, I'll be broadcasting live from Dallas, one of the Super Tuesday states. I'll be talking with Texas State Senator Royce West, who is trying to become United States Senator from that state as well. So it's a busy, busy weekend. And also, uh, folks, uh, on, if you're in Richmond, Virginia, if you're in Virginia, uh, on Saturday, I will be participating uh, in a uh, criminal justice uh, summit uh, with uh, Virginia Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax. It's going to be taking place from 4 to 6 p.m. We'll be live streaming that event as well. So we've got a really packed weekend. Uh, also be joining Ali Velshi uh, Saturday on MSNBC. So it's an absolutely crazy packed weekend, but we like it no other way. Okay. All right, folks. Uh, I will see you guys tomorrow. Don't forget to support Roland Martin Unfiltered by going to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com, joining our Brenda Funk fan club. Every dollar you give goes to support this show, allowing us to travel all across the country uh, and to be uh, involved in uh, all of these different issues, bringing you the kind of news no one else is bringing, such as uh, Mark Morial and National Urban League saying there will not be uh, Urban League affiliates participating 
and a crime conference if it's going to take place at Trump's Doral Resort in May, a story that we broke right here. All right, folks, I got to go. Uh, Erie Community College, I will see you guys tomorrow right here in Buffalo uh, all day. Looking forward uh, to joining you uh, at this uh, all-day conference. And so uh, don't forget, folks, it's called uh, Embracing Excellence, Promoting the Success and Retention of Men of Color in Higher Education. So I look forward to being your keynote tomorrow as well. All right, folks, holla! From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This message comes from Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.